my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. We celebrated the feast of the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ this past Thursday, which commemorates the bodily ascension of Jesus into heaven. The in-between space of ascension and Pentecost, when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. Here we are, all of us, in this in-between space today. And in our lesson from Acts, the disciples are also in this in-between time, waiting for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And we get a glimpse into what the early church established for us while they were in this space. Peter speaks to the believers about a witness or the 12th disciple who is to replace Judas. When Peter refers to Judas here, it mattered to me that there is no need to recall Judas's actions in detail. Of course, Peter had also betrayed Jesus, but had found forgiveness. It matters that there is no lingering in what Judas did, but rather says Judas was numbered among them and was allotted his share in the ministry. Judas had made a choice. There was no added shame. Rather, there's acknowledgement of the option that both sinners had. Peter goes into some detail about what is required of whom is to be Judas's replacement. And two of these requirements, one who accompanied during all the time, beginning from the baptism of John until Jesus was taken away. Someone who experienced all of these events, the good and the bad, all the sad parts. And two, must become a witness to Jesus' resurrection. Must be willing to go out and share the good news. And the community proposed to Joseph and Matthias. Now we don't know a lot about them other than that Matthias was added to the eleven. So what happened to Joseph? If he had met the requirements, did he continue being a witness just with no title? I would like to think that. I would like to think that Joseph's story was intentionally not included to remind us that we will not always be the chosen one. That perhaps Joseph having met the requirements qualified him to continue doing the work of a witness. This may hit a soft spot for us, especially today when so much of what we do is based on accomplishments. And it could be a place where we get curious. But by choosing, leadership became an important part of the early Christian church. They cast lots and prayed. Yet we also know that there was deceit early on as we see even through the disciples. 
but it is because these failures were encountered among those who funded and led the very first congregation that we are able to do the same in our world today. It is a message of recognizing God's invitation to all, even when we are seen as our true and authentic broken selves. It is about acknowledging and recognizing our pain and what we decide to do with it. As the disciples strive to establish the church, their personal experiences of pain, repentance, and forgiveness connects them to us today. What are you experiencing these days? What are we experiencing as a church? Perhaps pain from collective or historical trauma as we stay connected to everything going on around the world. And as I reflected on our scripture, I thought of Richard Rohr's words, if we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it. How did the disciples find meaning to their suffering? We know that they didn't do it alone. They prayed, they had a community. And in our gospel reading, Jesus was also in this in-between space. The space between his ministry and his death. The night before he was killed. And instead of hiding or running, here we hear Jesus' prayer for his disciples, asking directly on their behalf. In this prayer, we get a glimpse of Jesus' in-between space. We hear Jesus is not asking on behalf of the world, but for those who are in the world, could that mean that there's a distinction and that we should not be with those of the world? Or who is being prayed for here? And we don't have an answer to this. And I, I, did, I looked it up and there was not, you know, there was not, others agreed with me on that. We know that if we are guided by Jesus' life and ministry, we are called to share the divine gift of God. We can say that it is in these in-between spaces where God's presence is profoundly revealed. All of these in-between spaces can be so overwhelming. Perhaps we today are in that in-between space where there is fear and anxiety around what is to come. I got to Houston about a year ago after graduating seminary, and I knew that I would be joining Trinity. That was the only thing that I knew. What that meant during a pandemic, I had no idea. Actually, I'm still learning, supported by our rector and this community. And now we prepare to begin 
more and begin to be more optimistic about a full new beginning. But this period of waiting can be painful. It is painful. Not being able to see people whom you're called to be with is not easy. And I'm sure that you have your own experiences of pain, of waiting, of the in-between. But this could also be an opportunity for us to find depth, to reach out to each other, to be the church for those experiencing greater pain. to allow God to radically change us. And perhaps that's our message today. That as we remain in this in-between space of Ascension and Pentecost, like the disciples, like Jesus and even Joseph, we can still witness, show up, and be transformed and love. And I'll end with a part of a meditation from one of our parishioners of what the outcome of this in-between space could be for us. When our Lord rose, his body was different from his body before the crucifixion. Our new world will not be the same as the one we left before what we have been calling COVID-tide. There will be more caution. There will also be a greater appreciation for what we had taken for granted. Hugging, dining with friends, the Eucharist, and yes, Singing. Amen.